Shio friends, it's Shiashi here. I'm back with another mini edition to the Lost Coast series. This journey into Northern California has been nothing short of difficult. The prevalence of these cases is out of hand and will only continue to grow if we stay silent. Make sure you stay tuned because on Monday, July 11th, we will be dropping a brand new full episode regarding one of Northern California's most well-known MMIW cases. Until then, I'm going to drop a little history on you before we get into the story. In 1850, a state law in California allowed for the removal of indigenous people from their lands and allowed the practice of apprenticing indigenous children and adults to white citizens. A Desert Sun article stated that, quote, throughout the country in the 19th and 20th centuries, indigenous children were taken from their homes to government boarding schools where the goal was forced assimilation into English-speaking culture. And up until the 1970s, thousands of Native women were sterilized by the Indian Health Service, an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, without their full consent or knowledge. Now, if you've ever questioned why there was pushback from some tribes regarding vaccines, this would be why. These women who endured forced sterilization are not relics of the past, but alive and well, for the most part, and can remember what was done to them. In fact, the U.S. government admitted to unauthorized sterilization of Indian women. A study by the U.S. General Accounting Office found that four of the 12 Indian Health Service regions sterilized 3,406 American Indian women without their permission between 1973 and 1976. On top of this traumatic history, we are still battling with the handling of MMIW cases. A prime example the Desert Sun highlighted about was Public Law 280 that was enacted in California in 1953. I mentioned this briefly in a previous mini, but it doesn't hurt to reiterate the significance of this point, especially considering the Supreme Court decision that was made just recently. The Public Law 280 gave the state shared authority with tribes to prosecute most crimes on reservations, essentially expanding state criminal jurisdiction while limiting federal powers. The law has often contributed to confusion over who exactly should step in after a certain crime takes place and when. You know, we've been a broken record on the jurisdictional barriers that come up in a lot of the cases we cover, but the barriers are there because there's no cohesion. But in keeping with the Lost Coast series, we're headed back to California in Mendocino County to Laytonville where a hiker's discovery would lead authorities to unravel the tragic death of 23-year-old Rachel Audrey Sloan. Rachel Sloan was a descendant of the Cato tribe. Cato means loosely people of the lake or lake people. It is a federally recognized tribe whose full name is the Cato Indian tribe of the Laytonville Rancheria. Her grandmother, Pauline Sanderson, spoke about Rachel's dreams to become an oceanographer one day, citing Rachel's extrovert personality and good grades in school. She had two little brothers who remember her as a protective big sister, saying, quote, She'd say she was going to kick somebody's ass if they were messing with me. She was always protective of me, was always there for me, you know. Rachel's life was mired by trauma when she tragically lost her mother at a young age. Deborah Sloan was strangled to death in 1998 by convicted serial killer John Annabelle. On the day of Deborah's death, she had met John at a now-shuttered local bar in Laytonville before heading to a nearby motel together, according to police reports. Deborah's body was found two days later down an embankment by a road crew that had been checking the area for storm damage. From what I have read, John Annabelle was sentenced to 25 years to life and won't be eligible for a parole hearing until 2024. 
Rachel, who was barely 10 years old at the time, understandably struggled with her mother's death. After high school, she battled severe mental health issues and addiction. She was arrested twice in 2012 on charges related to possession and being under the influence of meth, according to Lieutenant Andrew Porter with the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office. Rachel's brother and grandmother had tried to get her professional mental help, but said they were told by one psychiatric facility that unless she was deemed a danger to herself or others, they couldn't admit her involuntarily. I also read a story that when Rachel's grandfather angered her, she smashed out the windows in his house. She had allegedly assaulted another woman and nearly burned her house. Now, as Rachel got older, she began to take off for days at a time without telling anyone where she was going, but she would always come back. She would even hitchhike. Rachel eventually floated off, slipping through the cracks. At some point, she disappeared. In 2013, a hiker spotted what looked like charred remains at an old burned pile off a remote highway in Longville, California. These remains were stuffed into an abandoned refrigerator. The article from the Desert Sun stated, quote, The remains were small in size and badly burned. There wasn't much to collect in the way of evidence, save for a lone charm bracelet. Some of its little white beads missing discovered near the charred bones. It read, WWJD. What would Jesus do? A coroner's report did confirm that her cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head. Now, the dates differ according to the source, but it wasn't until August or September 2015 that her body was identified through DNA samples. Because of Rachel's transient lifestyle, her family did not report her missing until sometime around May 2015, which is why it took two years for her to be identified. Because of the lack of physical evidence and degradation of Rachel's body, authorities believe that solving the case will rely on testimonies from others or a confession from the killer. Authorities have said that the only way this case gets made is if somebody has direct information and they can't live with their conscience and decide to come forward with it. Rachel Sloan's case remains open, and to this day, no arrests have been made. Although there have been disagreement between family and authorities on information regarding her missing report filing, her family has not stopped looking. Tashina Sloan, Rachel's cousin and vice chairman of the Cato tribe, said, quote, I feel a strong commitment to Rachel and to find her justice. And by not talking about her, we're forgetting her. If you have any information regarding the murder of Rachel Sloan, you are encouraged to contact the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office at 707-463-4411. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.